This episode is brought to you by Ursa Minor Outfitters. Folks, I'm absolutely in love with my Loon mug. It's handmade. It's an absolute piece of art. Whether it's at the office or at the house, people keep asking to check it out. If you're not a Loon fan, they also have other beautiful mugs for wildlife fans of moose, bears, and eagles. They specialize in products highlighting the outdoors and local pride through quality design by local artists. They've even started expanding into items beyond mugs, like apparel, dog accessories, and soon candles and more. They also try to partner and highlight other small businesses and in some cases forgo profits in lieu of charitable giving to help their community such as the dog rescue. So check them out ursaminoroutfitters.com and enter promo code hikesmikes10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for our four-legged hiking partners they also have a portable silicone dog bowl and also sweet over-the-collar dog bandana. Go check them out ursaminoroutfitters.com and don't forget to enter promo code hikesmikes10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Welcome, everyone, to a special bonus episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm your host, Ivan, and occasionally I'll be bringing you some bonus episodes highlighting some amazing individuals who are participating in some fun outdoor events or helping some incredible nonprofits, as well as some up-and-coming outdoor companies. Regular episodes will continue to come out on Mondays, and when we have a bonus episode, those will drop on Fridays. Welcome to our latest bonus episode featuring Kevin from Park Life, a brand dedicated to the great outdoors. Their mission is simple, to inspire and empower everyone to embrace the park life. By encouraging people to venture outside, visit breathtaking national, state, and local parks, and actively protect these natural wonders, park life is making a positive impact. The creation of park life sprouted from an unforgettable adventure when co-founder Kevin and his friends embarked on a cross-country journey in a Cruise America RV. In this episode, Kevin takes us through the incredible story behind this road trip, including navigating through one of the world's busiest cities. We also learn about all things park life and what the brand has in store for 2023 and beyond. We must express our gratitude to Kevin and everyone at Park Life for their early on support of our podcast. Not only have they graciously hosted our episodes on their website, but they also have an exclusive offer for our loyal listeners. By using the promo code HikesMikes10, you can now enjoy a 10% discount on your Park Life order. It's the perfect opportunity to enhance your outdoor experience with some amazing apparel and gear. Without further ado, let's dive right into this episode, featuring our guest, Kevin. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm excited to have our guest on today. He's the co-founder of The Park Life, and I'm really excited about how he got this company started and the journey that he went on that kind of sparked this idea. Kevin, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. You know, the first question that we always like to start off with by asking our guests is how long they've been hiking for and how they got started. Great. Well, thanks, Ivan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. Really, I'd say I started hiking pretty much when I started growing up. So I grew up in New Jersey. And, you know, when people think of New Jersey, they don't necessarily come to the state for hiking. But there's plenty of outdoor space, believe it or not. And growing up on the East Coast and the Northeast my whole life, you know, I've always spent time outdoors since I was a kid. And maybe that started with going to local parks, um, going to local state parks in New Jersey. And my town that I grew up in put in a trail system. 
um, as one of their municipal projects when I was young. So oftentimes it was in the evenings going on trail systems on the weekends, just walking through the woods in our neighborhood or, or around the area. So I'd really say I've been hiking my whole life, but it definitely started more locally just around town and then eventually grew into going to different parks, going on camping trips. I also spent a lot of time up in Maine in the summers. So first national park I went to is Acadia National Park and pretty much went there almost every summer since I was young. And like you said, typically when you um, say Jersey, you don't think of of hiking initially, but there is a substantial amount of trail systems throughout the state. How would you describe the hiking terrain and landscape growing up? Flat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Well, flat relative to out west. Uh, You know, when you hike all the national parks up and down the Rocky Mountain Range or out west, you get a lot steeper hikes. New Jersey and and the East Coast being so close to the ocean, the elevation isn't as high. Uh, Now, that's not to say you don't get smaller mountains, especially when you get into the uh, Appalachian Mountain Range up into New York State in the Adirondacks uh, and even up in Maine and Acadia, you know, up Mount Cadillac. There is some pretty steep hikes, but definitely not nearly to the extent that out west has. So I would say when you you think about a lot of the hikes that you do in in New Jersey and for those in the area, I can name, you know, Kittatinny Ridge, Delaware Water Gap, Ramapo Mountain, places along the Hudson Valley, above New York City. You can still get some pretty decent inclines, but definitely flatter relative to, to other areas of the country. And, you know, the one thing that I always love about the East Coast is how easily accessible all the states are, especially like in the tri-state area. Like you can go on a weekend just about anywhere in, in the Northeast. So when you do have a free weekend, where would you recommend somebody to go if they had a free weekend there in the Northeast? Great question. It, it I guess it depends on the season. You know, mm. the Northeast has very different seasons. And like you said, while all states are pretty close and accessible, the weather can really range from upstate New York to southern New Jersey to Maine. There can be some pretty big differences in weather and differences in weather over the seasons. If you're coming from the tri-state area, very easy day trips or quick weekend trips are things like going to the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania, the Catskills, which is only about an hour or two hours north of New York City, the Adirondacks, which is more north upstate New York or the Finger Lake region are beautiful for weekend trips. I lived in the Finger Lakes for six years, so definitely biased towards towards that region and the state parks up there. Even in the wintertime, if skiing is your is your passion, then going up to Vermont is, is an easy weekend trip as well. There's plenty to do in Vermont and New Hampshire from in the winter, skiing, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, but also in the summertime, it's beautiful up for hiking and, and seeing the fall foliage in the fall. So there's plenty to do in the area, like you said, and the landscape's very different in just a quick drive. So that's what keeps it exciting. Now, before we take a deep dive in, into all things park life, you and a couple friends did an amazing road trip uh, across the country that kind of sparked the idea behind this company. Can you share with us about that journey? How did it kind of come about? And what vehicle did you end up um, choosing to, to make this cross-country trek? Yeah, I, I love talking about this. It, it truly was one of the best trips of my lifetime so far. Um, so I can probably talk more than you want me to about this trip. But (laughs) to your point, it really was the trip that started my passion and and my friend's passions for 
seeing the national parks in this country, exploring more of the outdoors of what this country has to offer. But short story of how we got started is I was going to business school uh, in 2020 in the fall. And so I had left my job. Uh, I had a couple months off before I started school and I wanted to travel and wanted to travel with a few of my friends. The only wrinkle in that is a little thing called COVID happened in, in March of 2020 and basically shut down airports. As you know, everyone was stuck inside. And I think one of the biggest irks during COVID was the inability to go and do things. And one of the things that was available is the outdoors. Um, so any activities is would just push people outdoors and finally enjoy your surrounding areas. So in lieu of flying somewhere or going abroad, uh, we decided to let's just go outdoors for the entire United States. So we rented an RV, a 24-foot RV rental from Cruise America, uh, for those who know what Cruise America is. And we, we rented it in Long Island, New York, because RVs were in very high demand at that time. You'd be surprised it was impossible to get an RV in New Jersey. Um, so we had to drive into Long Island, had to drive it through Midtown Manhattan, which never driving an RV before, that was uh, <laughs> an experience, across the tunnel, the bridge, into New Jersey to pack it up. Um, and, and that's how we got started. I'm happy to keep going, but the RV story driving through Manhattan was is something I don't ever recommend doing. Oh, I imagine. Did, did you guys get any footage of, of you guys going through Manhattan in the RV? No, no. And thankfully so, because I was driving and I think about halfway through, I was you know on the verge of a panic attack the whole time. So it was to add to not just the congestion of driving through New York, it was pouring rain, almost oh, flooding. Man. And we get across the bridge into New Jersey and the first town is called a town called Hoboken that's prone to flooding. So there's about two feet of water running through the streets. Cars are fully submerged above their hood. And we had just rented an RV and the generator is on the bottom. And some of the, the only way to go in some of the streets was to drive through literally two feet of water. So with less than an hour in an RV, we had to decide, is this thing an amphibious vehicle or yeah, are we going to get stuck before we even start our trip or not? So we did it. We drove through the water um, and luckily the generator still worked afterwards. Nice. Well, that's quite the way to start the, the trip, just getting the vehicle um, to where you were going to pack it up. Now, when it came to the itinerary and, and the places that you wanted to visit, was it a pretty loose itinerary or did you guys have spots that you knew you wanted to hit along the way? We definitely had a planned itinerary going on a multi-week trip across the country. You definitely have to have a little bit of an agenda. We made we had to make some reservations at campgrounds where we were staying, some reservations for some excursions that we wanted to do in different parks. That being said, it wasn't rigid. Uh, we definitely audibled on a few times, sped up the trip in some places, slowed it down in other places. But we had a had a loose itinerary of the different parks and towns we wanted to stop in along the way that we stuck to, which took a few weeks of planning to get down the exact itinerary we wanted to do because we floated around a few different ideas where to go. There's so many routes you could take across the country, whether that was down through the south, going ocean to ocean, sticking to the north. So definitely had to iterate on the itinerary a few times. Oh, and do you remember the first national park that you guys hit up on, on the trip? Yeah. So our first stop were state parks. We drove through the night and first stop was we woke up 
at Indiana Dunes State Park uh, on the Great Lakes, which was a nice first stop, relaxing. Uh, I think it was about 10 or 12 hour ride through the night. So that was a nice wake up, be on the beach, relax a little bit before getting back in the RV, keep moving. And then we went to Sioux Falls, which was a nice quick stop to see Sioux Falls. And then our first national park was the Badlands in South Dakota. And Kevin, uh, what was the season that you guys ended up going or starting the trip on? Was it spring or summer? It was the summer. It was July timeframe across the month of July. So warm pretty much everywhere we went, which we lucked out. We had great weather. Nice. And on the the entire journey, do you know the number of national parks you were able to visit on the trip? National parks, I think we hit five national parks, but we also went to a lot of national monuments, you know, like Lake Powell is a national recreation area, the grasslands in South Dakota, Mount Rushmore. We went to a bunch of state parks as well. So I think in total, we had about a dozen stops. But within that, the national parks we went to were Badlands, Yellowstone, Grand Tetons, Arches, Grand Canyon, and the Canyonlands. Nice. You mentioned it already, but you you were able to visit state parks, national monuments. One thing that I really love is um, national forests, preserves, or even state parks, because some of them are just equally as beautiful, but without the crowds of the national parks. Was there any state parks or national forests that you visited that um, was a memorable experience that maybe didn't have the crowds of the national parks? Yeah, absolutely. I think surrounding the Badlands, the national grasslands, which that does not have any crowd. People don't go and see the Great Plains of grass. But it was awesome because we went horseback riding with a local rancher and she took us on her property, the surrounding properties, and we went for hours. And you can see the plains and the Badlands in the distance as far as you can see, which it's truly breathtaking, especially coming from the East Coast when you get out into the Midwest and you can see just how much land there is and how vast it can be. So that was really exciting. And then I think in and around the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone, there are a lot of national forests. And that was really exciting to explore the, that surrounding area that might not be within the actual park itself, but is, mm-hmm. you know, a national forest or kind of a state park area. Right on. Yeah. I've never been to the grasslands, but certain sections of Washington has similar rolling hills where it's just big swaths of, of wheat fields or, or grass. And the one thing that I really love, especially on a windy day, because the the grass gets almost like waves going through it. How was that experience visiting the grasslands? Like, is it is it something like a national monument where you have to go in and, and pay a fee or is it just kind of out in the open? It is very much out in the open. It is not, like I said, it's it's so vast and a lot of it is surrounded by or with cattle ranches or various people who own private land in the area as well. So it is not a gated fee paying area. I think it's more of just a protected preserve from the federal government. And so that, which is why we went to uh, a local rancher to ride horses with her. So we had a guide to show us around or else it would just be you know, you can get lost walking through the, walking through it all. So right on, you know, road trips, they're unique because you come across, especially when you're doing a cross country road trip, like you guys did some weird and funny roadside attractions. Are there any that stick out for you along the way? Good question. There were definitely a few instances when, you know, so we were in a 20 foot RV with five guys. 
So I think the equivalency of square footage was like if you lived in a 200 square foot apartment with five friends. So pretty close quarters and things are prone to break down while you're on this multi-week road trip in an RV. None of us had ever driven before. We had a couple instances with, you know, emptying out the RV at campgrounds that maybe were frowned upon. Um, some, some people working in the campground that tell us, the proper etiquette of disposing some things from the RV, which we quickly learned. I think one thing that was shocking was when you get through a lot of places in the Dakotas, every gas station or most gas stations has a casino, which was shocking to me. And and you walked in there, not necessarily table games, but slot machines, different type of casino games. So that was something I had never seen before at just local restaurants. Interesting. Okay. And you kind of mentioned the vehicle. Was there any vehicle issues or or breakdowns that you guys experienced along the way? Um, So like I mentioned, we we avoided breakdown of the generator driving through water, but it stopped Mm -hmm. working at various times throughout the trip Mm -hmm. for reasons unbeknownst to us and then started working again for reasons unbeknownst to us. So there were some, like I said, it was in July. So there were definitely some hot, days where the generator wasn't working that we didn't have air conditioning or the fan so that 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 was tough uh but other than that nothing major from a breakdown perspective and kevin you mentioned it already like on this trip you guys just weren't hiking but you went horseback riding and throughout the west coast and and the west you guys had some memorable experiences outside of hiking can you share with the listeners a little bit about some of those experiences, whether it's kayaking, mountain biking, or or horseback riding? Absolutely. And to your point, we did a lot of things outside of just hiking. Uh, we went on multiple horseback pack trips. Uh, we whitewater rafted in the Tetons and through the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. We rented a boat on Lake Powell and spent a day out on Lake Powell. We rented UTVs and drove through Moab, Utah, uh, on UTVs and the off-roading courses there, just to name a few. So yes, we absolutely did a lot of different things uh, in each location. I think a few things that were were highlights for me were taking a day trip in Yellowstone, completely off trail that would have been harder to reach by hiking because you're slower. So we were on horseback and that was to an area of the park that was almost completely untouched. You know, we didn't see another human almost all day. Um, so mm-hmm. to me, that was probably the most eye-opening experience of the trip to see how beautiful that area was without seeing any other people for for hours um so that to me was was really great but also uh whitewater rafting down the colorado river was was also great too got to see a, a unique perspective of the grand canyon from down below spent all day swimming in the colorado river which is very cold all year round which I learned, but that was, that was another great experience. Were most of these experiences, Kevin, stuff that you, you had to make reservations beforehand, or did any of them kind of come just serendipitously through meeting people in those communities? Most of them were reservation based. So you had to find your outfitter online beforehand and make your reservation because most of them are small groups. The Yellowstone trip that I mentioned was just us and the guide. So those fill, can fill up pretty quickly, especially in peak season in the parks. Mm-hmm. So we had to make reservations for those bigger ones, but we definitely took suggestions from people that, you know, you're parking your RV next to, and they say, this is a great hike, go do that. And we're like, okay, great. We, we weren't sure what to do, you know? So we definitely took 
recommendations from people along the way. But those bigger excursions that I mentioned, for the most part, you needed to make a reservation. Okay. And for you personally, Kevin, what were the top three parks, not just national parks, but state parks that you got to to experience on the trip? That's a really hard question because everywhere was so unique and a different landscape, different experience, different activities. So it's hard to really say what our top three were because, frankly, I love them all. Yeah. But I think Badlands was truly unique to me because it was, it's a landscape that I don't think you can find many other places uh, in the country or the world. And one of the unique things we did on our first night in the Badlands, we found a, an unmarked boondocking spot called the Ridge that it's hard to get to. You have to search online for exact directions. It's completely unmarked, but you get to this spot and it's a steep drop off cliff. And along the Ridge, there are maybe a dozen other campers or people with cars and tents. And you just look out and as far as you can see is the Batlands landscape. No structures, no humans, nothing. And the sun sets over it and it is miraculous. So if anyone's ever there, I suggest they look it up. Um, I can't tell you how to get there because I don't know. And I think it's meant to be that way. But I'd say look it up. That's truly a, a great experience. So Badlands was definitely up there. I think the Tetons and the Yellowstone area for me were also a favorite one because they're just enormous and there's so much to do. Uh, and that horse pack trip that I mentioned was a top experience for me. And then lastly, this is not a, a, a national park, but a national recreation area. I thought Lake Powell was very fun, different than the traditional camping, hiking in national parks, but unique in the sense that we, it's one of the deepest canyons in the country, but it's filled as a man-made lake. So really fun to get out there. You can rent a boat, take the boat around, do water activities, um, and a great day of more relaxing in the sun than sweating on a hike. Throughout this journey, you've, you've mentioned a few times that you, you were able to do some horseback riding trips. Um, had you previously had horseback riding experience before the trip? Or did you kind of learn along the way in South Dakota and then in Yellowstone? I wouldn't say I've had extensive experiences on a horse before, but I had definitely been horseback riding in New Jersey and New York in various areas. So it wasn't the first time. But I would be lying if I told you I was a, a horseback rider, you know. So, <laughs> so for me, I've, I've never really done any horseback riding. And the trip in Yellowstone, especially being out without seeing any other people, do you think that type of trip is something that beginners should do that haven't had experience horseback riding? Or should they do shorter trails on a horse before they jump into something like that? I guess it depends on what your comfort level is. I think you can absolutely do it without having experience. Our guide was fantastic. Uh, his name was Mike Daly for anyone. Uh, shout out to Mike. But he was fantastic. He packed us lunches. He knew the trails to go to. He took us exactly you know, where he knew we went fishing along the way. He knew some great spots. So he was a tremendous guide that really showed you the way. You weren't going to get lost with him. And he made it feel uh, great. So you definitely do not need previous experience. That being said, though, you spend eight, nine hours horseback. So if you haven't ever been on a horseback, it can get pretty sore. So just be a caution to some people who don't know anything about it, but you can absolutely do. No, okay, good to know. And then what was the last park that you visited before you headed back um, to the East Coast? The last park we visited 
was Arches National Park in Utah. Uh, and then from there, we drove down to, to Scottsdale in Arizona and flew out of there back to the East Coast. Okay. And then, you know, I've always have been interested in the Cruise America RVs. Um, for folks that are interested like me, what tips or advice would, would you give people before they, they rent one? Rent one. It's, it's worth it. Uh, it was, it was a ton of fun. I think part of the experience is figuring it out. And that's what makes it fun and interesting is there were five of us with no prior RV driving or living in experience and the whole unknowing and figuring things out and learning how to drive it, how to maintain it, how to live out of it. That was all part of the adventure. I think if you're planning to do that, there's definitely some plan that you need, like packing, making sure you have enough clothes, but also knowing that storage isn't endless. So you have to pack efficiently. Cruise America RVs have everything you need in them from a bathroom, a fridge, things to cook on. So you're very well equipped in a Cruise America RV. I would just say you definitely have to plan what you bring pack efficiently and, and be prepared to spend most of your time outside, not in the RV. Gotcha. Okay. Good to know. Now, this amazing experience that you had traveling across the country kind of was the spark for the Park Life company. Can you tell us how the the company came about after this trip? Absolutely. So this was, like I mentioned, I had never been out west to the national parks before this. I had really only spent time outdoors on the East Coast. So it was eye-opening to me to see all of these parks and the unique landscape and the vastness that this country and our park system offers. So that was an inspiration to me. I immediately fell in love with it. And I didn't think much of it afterwards, just how great the trip was, how quickly I wanted to get back to exploring these areas. And it wasn't until 2022, I was back in Yosemite hiking with my family that Park Life really came to me as an inspiration, looking around, seeing everyone around us in the park, very carefree, happy, enjoying the outdoors. And it reminded me of that initial trip and how great it was, how great it is to be out here and how much, not just that I enjoy it, but that everyone here is enjoying it. And the words park life just kind of entered my head saying, wow, you know, everyone's living life in a park. This is the park life. And then it just ran from there. So that was, that was the origin of the name park life was a combination of the trip we just talked about. And then going back out West to Yosemite is when it came about. And, uh, you know, me, Kenny and I, uh, my co-founder, we put our heads together and really decided that we love being outdoors. So how can we create a platform and a community that helps people get outdoors who want to be out? And that's really how Park Life started. You guys have some amazing clothing and accessories that people can buy. Can you share some of the popular items on the website? And then maybe what's your personal favorite? Absolutely. So we have some great products on our website and we're continuing to recreate and design more. Um, so there will be more coming out, but I think one of the great things about our current listing is we have items for every season. Uh, like I said, growing up in the East Coast, each season has starkly different weather and locations have very different weather. So coming off of the winter months, I'd say really popular items were our outerwear. So we had some great jackets and sweatshirts. And I really, really like, uh, we have two vests on there. So the vests are very comfortable. Our hats are some of our best sellers. It seems like that people love the hats. So I would recommend all of the hats. We probably have about 
seven or eight different variations of our hats currently listed. And then obviously you can never have enough t-shirts. So our t-shirts constantly fly off the shelves. Um, we've got performance t-shirts, regular t-shirts. So, you know, if you're hiking on a long hike, sometimes you, you have to change your shirt out and whatnot. So like I said, we, we have some items for every season for every activity. And one thing that I really enjoy about your company that is really great is that each purchase, you guys are giving back to the National Park Foundation. Can you kind of share with us how that came about, how you, you decided upon the, the National Park Foundation? Absolutely. And, and like I alluded to before, you know, we started Park Life really to create a platform and community for people to be outside. And that's everyone from the person who's outdoor every week, every weekend, who maybe has more direct as- access to the parks based on where they live, who are extreme outdoor enthusiasts, all the way to people who maybe don't get outside that much, maybe don't get to parks, maybe someone like me who spent 25 years never going out west and all of a sudden is taking their dream trip to a national park. So really creating this idea that the parks are for everyone, whether that's your local, state, or national parks, everyone and anyone can enjoy them. That's why they were built and why they are protected. Um, so that idea of sharing this land with everyone is what really excites us. And looking at, we wanted to make the purpose of, of park life was really to continue that trend and not necessarily for us to be profitable or make a whatever about it because Kenny and I also have jobs outside of park life. So we wanted to make this as what our passion was about and that's being outside. Uh, and that's being outside with people that like being outside people that we're friends with and that's what it's meant for. So National Park Foundation being kind of the largest and the biggest supporter of the National Parks because it is tied to the National Park Service for us was an easy entry point to say, how can we make sure that any money made from our sales can go back to supporting that cause and that passion. So that's how we chose the National Park Foundation. We want to continue to grow in giving back and so you can expect us in the coming years to start being a little more targeted with different parks around the country. And part of that is, as we talk about the items that we have on our store, we're constantly developing new designs, new products, and we have specific park designs that we'll be releasing shortly that are, you know, if you go to Acadia, there's a Park Life Acadia line and the proceeds from that mm-hmm. can go to local foundations supporting parks and philanthropic needs around that area. Um, so while we are broad and national with our focus on National Park Foundation right now, you can expect to see us get more regional with some of our ideas, designs, and partnerships with nonprofits going forward as we get more into specific areas that we're focusing on. Oh, that's exciting. I definitely, I'll, I'll throw Mount Rainier as a, as a regional item in line um, on our end. But, you know, first I want to thank you guys for, for hosting the Hikes and Mikes podcast on, on your website. You also host um, the amazing Dear Bob and Sue National Parks podcast. Um, now that you are on a podcast, is there potential for a Parks Life podcast <laughs> in the near future? Um, you never know. Uh, there definitely could be. I think one of the things that's that excites us about park life is it's still very new. We haven't even been fully around for a year yet. So I think we can take this in a lot of directions and we have a lot of exciting ideas. One thing that I'll say about the park life brand is we want to really use it as a platform for others as well. So that's why we, we love having hosting you hikes and bikes and a couple other podcasts on our website. You know, our goal is not to encroach on other content creators 
our goal is to amplify other content creators who enjoy what we enjoy. So maybe there'll be a Park Life podcast specifically, maybe there won't. But really for us, it's more about how can our platform help and expand others' platforms who share the same passion that we do. So while we might not have a podcast now, you know, it's we love being able to uh, market and, and host your platform um, for others to listen and to gain listeners yourself. So that's our main focus right now is how can we amplify others that share similar passions and, and goals that we do. No, yeah. Thank you so much for, for hosting um, the podcast on there and for um, celebrating other content creators on your platform as well. Now, Kevin, when it comes to your hikes, you know, some people have a summit routine or an end of the hike routine. Maybe it's packing your favorite snack or meal, some sort of trail beverages, or even just a moment of zen. Do you have a regular custom or routine that you do when you make it to your destination or maybe when you make it back out? Great question. I think everyone has their own unique traditions when they go on hikes, especially the ones that take all day. I think when you get, you know, when you think about a long and steep hike, and to my mind, one thing that one comes to mind is is Yosemite Falls hike I did last year. And it's pretty steep incline, not the longest hike, but there's definitely a very steep period. And when you get to the top, sometimes you're just exhausted. And like you mentioned, your moment is in. It's sitting there looking out saying, this is what I just hiked four hours to get to is to enjoy this beauty, eat a snack, drink water, regroup, but definitely take a moment to just soak it all up. Because that's why you do some of these longer and more strenuous hikes is to get to a point where you can say you, you don't get this view unless you just did that hike. So yeah. you definitely have to take a moment and just enjoy it. But I think a tradition that uh, I've gotten to do more is when you're done with the hike and you get down, immediately go get a cold beer. That's one thing you enjoy most is, you know, I, I burned all those calories. I sweated out, you know, whatever. And, and I did that hike that I've been gearing up to do for so long. Let's go regroup, debrief, swap stories with whoever you did that hike with. What was your favorite? What was your not favorite mm-hmm. over a cold beer? Uh, that's something I really enjoy. Now, when it comes to your pack list, what would you consider to be your most valuable piece of hiking gear? That's another great question and, and hard to answer because I think there's a lot of little things that you always need when you go on longer hikes. For me, I drink a ton of water. Even if I was sitting at a desk all day, I can still drink a gallon of water. So one of the biggest things for me is to just make sure I have enough water. You know, I have a camel pack that can fit a couple gallons on my back, but even that's not enough. So that's <laughs> to me is most important. Simple things like I like, you know, good hiking boots. I'm have fair skin, so I burn easily. So if it's in the summer, making sure you have sunscreen because let me tell you, sunburn and hiking don't really go well together. So sunscreen, water, good shoes. And of course, any, any snacks that you like are are pretty key for me. Awesome. Okay. And throughout not just your cross country trip, but all your, your hiking and outdoor adventures, have you ever had any close calls, whether it's nearly getting lost, maybe an unexpected wildlife encounter, or maybe mother nature, uh, threw you curveball and caught you by surprise. Have you had any of those experiences, whether it's on the trail or doing a cross-country trip? Yeah, there's a couple quick anecdotes I can share. And one of these is going to come from my co-founder, Kenny. But I guess when Mother Nature, when we were rafting down the Colorado River in Grand Canyon, beautiful day, but weather can hit quick and hard. And almost every hour or two hours, we got caught with a torrential downpour. So we constantly have to pull off find some shelter. The water would pick up for a few minutes. 
Then it'd stop. It's like, okay, get back in the rafts, keep paddling, keep going down. And it's constant back and forth to be 75 and sunny one minute and then a torrential downpour with whipping winds the next. So in a lot of these places, you never know what, what can happen from a weather perspective. But this anecdote, so Kenny um, was hiking in Caesars Head State Park in South Carolina. And he said that uh, one of the one of the people that he was with went running ahead with her dog to go explore, was just really excited, went off trail and got lost. And turns out there's no cell phone service. Uh, you know, they didn't have a radio and they must have went in circles, must have got off trail, were completely out of earshot. And they had to actually shut the park down uh, for about three hours and search through the park and take more people and kind of canvas the park. They said they got on ATVs, you know, and, and really oh looking for their friend. And thank God she had a dog so they could hear barking and they ended up finding her. But uh, I guess also a little bit of trail safety for you when you're going in hikes in unknown areas. Uh, so that was pretty funny when you told me that story that they had actually almost shut the park down to to look for her. Yeah. Oh man, glad she 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 was found safe and sound. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, that must have been a, an experience. Now, Kevin, you've shared a couple of the things you you were working on for the park life, but. Is there anything that you can share that's coming up for 2023 and maybe beyond for the brand? Like I mentioned, we're really excited about some of the things that we have upcoming since there's still so much ahead of us and we're new. But to name a few that I think you can expect near term, we're rolling out a new product line. So we're going to have new items coming to the online storefront, better designs, uh, newer products, and also more regional park focused products. So things around specific parks, whether that be national or state parks. Right now we have Yosemite and an Acadia line coming out shortly. Um, so from an apparel perspective, we're really excited about that. We're also pushing into a few retail outlets. So you can hopefully expect us to be in a store near you or if there's anyone listening and wants to have our products in a store near them, you know, we're more than happy to do that. So we're starting to push into retail, which is really exciting. I think a few other things are we want to continue to grow the community platform feel like I had mentioned. And I think, you know, one of the motivating reasons is there's no single source for, if you want to go outside, there's no single resource. It's very fragmented. There's a ton of, mm -hmm. there's a ton of information on the internet from different apps, all trails, national park service website, different bloggers, content creators. There's so much out there that you have to, kind of search for and bring together when you're making plans for a trip. And one of the things we, we really want to do is be a central resource for people who want to go outside. Because um, hopefully that encourages them a little bit more to take that step outdoors is to have that central resource that's motivating. So what we're working on is bringing content creators and trying to combine and amplify, like I had mentioned, all these resources into a single platform that is park life. So when you want to go to a state or national park, the first thing you think of is let me check park life, see what they're doing and what the information that they are. So uh, that's something we're also working on that, that we're really excited. For. Oh, that's some exciting news. And yeah, I think you're, you're right. It is a bit fragmented because you know, there's, there's resources for day hiking, but then you have to find resources for backpacking or camping, but to have it centralized would be great. And to have content creators be able to share their experiences on your platform would be awesome. Now, personally for 2023 and beyond, do you have any upcoming hiking or travel goals that you'd like to share? Yeah. 
I'd love to get back out West. Um, I, I love being out West. Uh, the California parks are great. Spent some time in Big Sur last year, but more immediately currently planned is uh, heading back up to Maine at the end of the summer, like I had mentioned. So spending more time in Acadia, which is which is a personal favorite of mine and getting out around there. That's, that's an immediate trip that I, I can't wait for. But it's a life goal to hit every national park, which can take a lifetime to do. So, you know, hopefully taking off a new park by the end of the year uh, is also a goal of mine. Right on. Well, that was it for for the regular questions, Kevin. This next section of the podcast is the this or that questions. I'm going to give you two hiking related topics and you kind of choose the one that you prefer out of the two. Okay. So the first one is, do you prefer ascending or descending? Ascending. And how about waterfalls or summits? Summits. Uh, switchbacks or straight up? That's that's a hard one. It depends. It depends. <laughs> switchbacks can get very tiring of just going back and forth sometimes, but straight up can be very rigorous. So I guess it depends, but let's go with switchbacks. And how about trek poles or freehand? I prefer to freehand. And trail runners or hiking boots? Hiking boots. Absolutely. And when it comes to trails, do you prefer a loop trail or an out and back trail? And when it comes to coming across bodies of water, do you jump in or do you stay dry? Might be a hot take, but I prefer to stay dry. Hiking in wet clothes (laughs) is never that enjoyable. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I'm interested in this one because you're on the East Coast, so you get the beautiful sunrises, but you've also experienced some beautiful sunsets. But when it comes to sunsets or sunrises, do you have a preference? Also a very, very hard question because they are both great. I probably... I'm a morning person, so I probably will lean towards sunset or sunrises. This next one is, do you prefer spring flowers or fall colors? Again, uh, it's hard, especially with the fully amplified four seasons uh, of the Northeast and you have beautiful fall foliage, but I'm going to go with spring flowers. Okay, that was was a shock because, you know, the East Coast, definitely known for their fall foliage, but um, you guys have some amazing flowers, especially up in the Finger Lake areas. Now, the last one is, do you tag a hike or do you not tag a hike on social media? Again, this might be, everyone might not agree, but I usually tag unless it's a completely unmarked unknown area i won't but for the most part i'll tag and again i think that's one of the what i alluded to earlier is people are looking for ideas Uh, people are looking for inspiration to be outside so sometimes being that resource and tagging just helps motivate people to enjoy the outdoors more than sitting inside awesome well that was it for the this or that questions kevin now for folks that want to visit and be able to purchase some of the park life items what are some of the places they can visit online and on social media yeah i'd I'd recommend everyone look at our social medias Uh, we're on instagram real park life facebook youtube tiktok our website is realparklife.com um, with a link to our online store there. So those would be the places that you can definitely find out more about Park Life and, and our store. And we'll be sure to put them on the episode no- uh, show notes so people can check them out and check out the the merch and the upcoming merch that's coming. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us on, on the podcast. It was a real pleasure. Really excited to see what 2023 um, brings for Park Life and beyond 2023. Thank you, Ivan. It was a pleasure to be here. Big thank you for having us on. And it was really fun. So thank you a lot. Yeah, same here. Thanks. Thank you once again to Kevin for joining us on the latest bonus episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. 
Be sure to follow Park Life on social media at Real Park Life on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're interested in learning more about the Park Life brand, be sure to check out the links in the episode show notes. We'll be putting out bonus episodes throughout the spring and summer, along with our regular episodes on Monday. Please be sure to like and subscribe to not miss out on those. Be sure to also follow us on Instagram at Hikes and Mikes. Happy trails, everyone. This episode's music was created by Ketza. Follow him on Instagram at Ketza Music. This episode is brought to you by Flip Socks. Whether you're on the trail, on the job, or in the yard, Flip Socks will keep Mother Nature out of your boots with their innovative nylon sleeve. You no longer need to worry about any annoying debris getting trapped in your boots during your hikes. Simply flip down the nylon sleeve over any boot to prevent Mother Nature from finding its way inside, keeping your feet comfortable all day long. To get your first pair, visit FlipSocksWithAZ.com and enter promo code HIKESMIKES10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for listeners who use the promo code at checkout, I'll be donating 100% of the Season 2 promo code proceeds to Big City Mountaineers, who provide transformative experiences through connections to nature that strengthen life skills and build community for youth and disinvested communities across the nation. So if you're tired of bits and pieces of the trail finding its way into your hiking boots, pick up a pair of flip socks today with the promo code HIKESMIKES10 to get 10% off. For website and promo code, see the episode description.